We've all been there, justifying our creative job to mum and dad, explaining what our job is to granddad, brushing off jokes about freelancing from our mate who works in finance. But times are changing and the value of creativity is being recognised. The creative industries are the fastest growing part of the UK economy and the least likely jobs to be taken over by robots. I'm Kayleigh McLeod and this is Get A Proper Job, where I'll be talking to researchers and creatives about the issues that matter. I call stand-up comedy pop-up counselling for one. For this episode of Get A Proper Job, we're joined by stand-up comedian Stefan Evans. Hello and welcome. Before we chat to Stefan, we'll hear from Dr. Dimitrinka Stoyanova Russell, who's a lecturer in human resource management at Cardiff Business School, on her research, No Funny Business, which focuses on emotional labour in stand up comedy. Hello. My name is Dimitrinka, and together with my colleague, Nick Butler from Stockholm University, we researched the working lives of stand-up comedians. We interviewed 64 full-time comedians and 16 other people involved in live comedy, such as promoters, reviewers, aspiring comedians and trade union representatives, in order to understand the experiences of stand-up comedians' working lives. Making a living in comedy involves uncertain and irregular income, unpaid work and high levels of self-reliance in all aspects of employment, such as negotiating working conditions, training, career development. Comedians have to navigate a highly individualised and unregulated employment context, where there are multiple employers, contracts are short-term, often for a 20-minute set on a comedy night, and are mainly verbal and informal. Being hired, being paid, the rate of pay, the venues to perform at, is negotiated on one-to-one basis with promoters for each separate gig. In this fluid, fragmented and highly individualised environment, personal relationships and social networks are prominent, and promoters play a pivotal role in providing opportunities for comedians. Therefore, building and maintaining good professional relationships with promoters is a must to making a living in comedy. As one of our interviewees put it, a promoter is your bread and butter. You should be friends with them even if you don't like them, because they'll give you gigs. This is also an overcrowded labour market with no formal recruitment mechanisms or standard rates of pay and promoters have considerable power. Comics often offer to work for free or for reduced fee, do not complain when pay is delayed and they have to call the promoter time and time again requesting, in a friendly manner, their remuneration. Comedians also need to try and earn the respect and trust of the promoter, which sometimes involves sacrificing their own interest. In discussing all this with our interviewees, one aspect particularly stood up. The way in which comedians use their emotions when dealing with promoters. In other words, the emotional labour of stand-up comedians. If you're not familiar with the term, emotional labour is the expression or management of one's own and others' emotions as a part of the job. In performing arts such as stand-up, emotions are widely employed when on stage. 
But what is interesting is that emotional labour and emotion management is also a key resource for comedians off stage, behind the scenes, not for performing, but for securing the job. We found that comedians employ complex emotional stratagems in order to cope with the working conditions and to maintain a good personal equilibrium with their employers. Two of these were especially prominent. Firstly, comedians have to demonstrate, often contrary to their true feelings, an image of positivity and willingness to work for less money or to accept delayed payment without a grudge in order to build a good reputation with promoters. They have to calibrate their interactions emotionally, either inducing or suppressing emotions. For example, ask for gigs in a way that doesn't sound needy or aggressive, in the words of one of our interviewees, or resist the urge to complain about working for free in order to appear serious about pursuing a career in comedy, or stimulating self-belief by viewing the loss of income as an investment in future opportunities. The second aspect in which comics exercise emotional labour offstage is suppressing their feelings of anxiety and frustration with their employment. Irregular pay prevents long-term planning. Insecure employment results in constant worry about income and living. To deal with this, comics try to develop mechanisms for coping with stress and anxiety related to this precariousness. Thanks for that, Demi. Now we're going to chat to Stefan to get his thoughts on those insights into the world of comedy. The Pembrokeshire funny man has taken the Welsh comedy scene by storm since he first started performing in 2016. He supported Ellis James on tour, worked on TV and online and appeared at festivals all over the UK with shows including Tales from Wales and If I Die Right Now. Something I really hope isn't going to happen during the course of this podcast. (laughs) Welcome Stefan. Hello. Thanks for coming in. Nice to be here. This is really nice. Very, very posh setup you've got here. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into comedy and what your career to date has been like? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I had uh, I went travelling uh, when I for my thirtieth, and uh, I, I realised that I'd genuinely done nothing with my life other than work hard, and make lots of money for other people. So I set up a little five-year plan, and uh, I was going to achieve that. And one of those little uh, targets was to do stand-up comedy, and I've I've always wanted to do it because. I know, I've, I've always been like the class clown, always like make people laugh and uh, set myself a challenge and within that five years I was doing it. So I mean, it's, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. You have ups and downs, but mainly ups. That's incredible. So in a five year period, you turned yeah. it all around and yeah. became a comedian. Yeah. My five year plan was uh, after I came back from traveling, it was one, to get a girlfriend. I did. Two, <laughs> to uh, quit working in pubs, which I used to do. I did it. And then the other one was doing stand up comedy and I did it. So. I mean, I need to set myself another five-year plan because I've genuinely achieved nothing since that plan. So I think it's good to give myself a plan or, you know, goals to achieve. For sure. And during the five years, what have been some of your highs? I mean, uh, I've, had, I've been very lucky to have some really good gigs. I've been uh, doing some... I've done about three televised gigs for uh, S4C, the Welsh Language Channel. And the Welsh language scene is growing and growing and growing all the time and it's really nice to be a part of it. But, uh, you know, I've been on tour with uh, Ellis James twice and uh, that's been really beneficial and uh, all in all it's it's it's, it's been great uh, you know i did i did a little spot at a filming event for rod gilbert's stand up to shyness i'm on the program for i think it's just less than a second you can see me if you pause it <laughs> so, have you already done that yes massively screenshotted i got a credit on it so I've, it's in, it's in my phone somewhere i've saved it yeah on your comedy cv <laughs> well, almost yeah <laughs> 
Um, so we're going to talk to you a little bit today about Demi's research. Yeah. Um, it's called No Funny Business, and she took a deep dive into what it's like to be a comedian at the moment. Did any of her findings ring particularly true with you? Well, I would say that she's done her research properly, and uh, it, it, it's it's bang on, to be totally honest. I think that I've been doing stand-up for was it, about four years-ish now, and it's taken me a long time to sort of realise these sort of things. That when you see it on a piece of paper in front of you, you think, yeah, 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 this person did it in one go. And then it's taken me like a long time to pick up these things and, and, and have these learnings and, and, and see what the actual, you know, these obstacles are. And it, it's, it's really interesting, really interesting, definitely. And, you know, reading it, the, the language is so much better than the language I use. Definitely. <laughs> it's actually words with more than like two syllables in this. In terms of working as a comedian, she talks about it being precarious. Is that something that you've found? I think it is. It is precarious. I think definitely because, especially these days, with like you know the online sort of stuff, people can video you and that kind of stuff. So I think if you are a good comedian, you will be careful about every single word that you say, or make sure that the the opinion that you have is correct and not in, in any way talks down to anyone. And uh, I think if p- people make a mistake. Uh, then they can be re- they, you know they can get messed up straight away. They can uh, if somebody takes a video of someone you know saying like a misogynistic joke or a racist joke or something like that, which nobody should be doing anyway. But all it takes is that one person to film that and share it online, and that person's career is over. And quite rightly so. Sure. Yeah. Um, was there anything in the research that didn't speak to your experience as a comedian? Was there anything that you didn't sort of agree with? I mean, uh, to be honest with you, it was the, the image of positivity and willingness to work for less money. I mean, I'm not willing to work for less money, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I think uh, it, it takes a while to, to earn some money in, in comedy. And at the same time, then, once you start earning it, I don't want to earn any less. I think that I am of this level now, so I think that if I can get paid, I should get paid. And is that something that you're quite strong on when you're talking to bookers? Yeah, well, I would say, like, I, I'm quite polite and a little bit self-deprecating, so I never really sort of fight too much for it. So if somebody says, oh, this is the this is X amount, I never say, oh, I, I want another £20 because I'm amazing. I don't say that. I'll go, oh, yeah, that's fine. Thank you very much. But, you know, if, um, if I heard that they offered somebody else £20 more or, you know, something like that, I'd probably address that and say I can do the same job as that person I would be professional and reliable so why not pay me as much as you paid that one person and is is the feeling that you're not in a position to to say no when they do offer a certain amount of course yeah I mean like there there are so many comedians out there and especially you know you have big big comedians with big profiles I mean I'm not the first ever Welsh comedian so I think that I need to uh, I need to work really hard be polite hardworking and take the opportunity but I'm never at the stage where I can actually barter for stuff and do you feel like that's somewhere that you'll get to? Oh, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, when I become more rude, or <laughs> something like that, because I, I think that there, you know, there are a lot of put people on the scene and out there which are probably more driven than I am. I want to be as good as I can, and hopefully, the body of work will speak for itself. Other, or you know, other comedians will go out there and they will, you know, they will promote themselves much better. I mean, they'll go out there and say, I did this, I did that, I did that, I did this. And before you know it, they're like gigging in Lyme Regis on a, on a Thursday. And you think, how did you get that? And it's because they put themselves out there. And is that something you would like, to gig in Lyme Regis on a Thursday? I mean, I could only, only dream. <laughs> I could only dream. But uh, yeah, it, it, apparently Lyme Regis is a really nice place, so that'll be good to go. But I mean, I've, I've done some, done some like, 
gigs far away and stuff. Uh, mainly UK based. I haven't done anything outside the UK. Is that an ambition to go? I mean, yeah, that'd be really nice. It'd be really nice. Uh, just I'm not sure how much. Uh, how much. I mean, it'd, be, it'd be nice to raise the awareness of Welsh people, you know, in other countries and stuff. Because you know, the Welsh people have got everywhere. There's loads of Welsh people in America, there's loads of Welsh people in Australia and stuff, and it'd be nice to do like a little tiny, you know, um, a small gig in a faraway country and stuff. I think uh, a friend of mine was recently talking about uh, there's the Festival of South by Southwest in America, yeah. and I think they're trying to be more inclusive of different cultures and that kind of stuff, and I think accidentally Wales falls under these sort of foreign cultures and stuff and you think right that's an opportunity there let's exploit it <laughs> so if you're listening South by Southwest yeah, 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 Stefan would like to come with his Tales from Wales well Tales from Wales if I die right now uh, I mean you know, it, it's all there it's all there uh, but we've, I've got enough stuff you know I've got plenty of stuff to talk about and uh, there's plenty of other Welsh comedians on the scene that could do as good of a job if not better and I think we would all be a very good team. I'm feeling a road trip coming yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to that concept of emotional labour that Demi talks about. Yeah. So the idea that performers might use their emotions on stage is something I think we're all familiar with. Yeah, definitely. We understand that concept. But perhaps not that emotional effort required to cope with all that comes with working in comedy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I call stand-up comedy pop-up counselling for one. <laughs> so because I don't want to put any more strain on the NHS, and uh, so it's sometimes you know it's good to get out there and it's c- about communicating frustrations, and sometimes really blowing some steam off. I mean, when I started, I was a very angry comedian. And I think one of the uh, one of the quotes I was given by a woman who was reviewing us for the website Chortle was a uh, uh, way way too much poo and spluttering rage. That was one of the quotes I was given. I, that's not on the comedy CV, but like um, you just the, got that up on your wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of live, laugh, love, you know. <laughs> I mean, did you ever consider that you were carrying out emotional labour, managing your emotions, managing other people's emotions? to secure jobs and to get up on the stage in the first place? I would say definitely. I mean, uh, especially when I was doing the Welsh language side of stuff, uh, it's a very friendly sort of culture, the Welsh language, like comedy side of stuff, and I think that I was the the only one who was a bit mean or a bit, you know, like who, who'd, uh, who would possibly use a bit of foul language and, you know, uh, address a subject that people might be a little bit scared of. And uh, I think, you know, having that sort of, that, that extra 10% to go a little bit wild, it really made me sort of stand out and get noticed from other people. So, I mean, I would say it's, you know, uh, venting is very, very useful. <laughs> very therapeutic. Yeah. Do you think that you've adopted any sort of coping mechanisms in being a comedian? Definitely, definitely. Because you never know if a gig is going to go good or if it's going to go bad. I've, I've had some really good ones. I, I've probably had some really bad ones, but I tend to block them out. But, uh, you know, you can put a lot of work into something and if the gig isn't set up right or if the audience aren't really into you, then the gig will go bad and you will not get out what you put in. I mean... Um, I run a like a new material night with a, a good friend of mine, Di, and uh, and I wanted to do like a twenty minute set of like new stuff, but unfortunately the uh, the the crowd weren't on board, and as soon as I started, I think they were it was a little bit too late, they were a little bit too drunk, so the the universe wasn't wasn't with me, so um, it was really tough to do. In the end, I had to sort of broadcast that it was a hostage situation. And uh, they would not leave the building until they had laughed at at least two or three of my jokes. 
And this was new material. New material. So yeah. they were expecting. Oh, they were expecting uh, the life of the Apollo in 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 a pub in Splot on a Wednesday night. <laughs> you know. That's what I get in Splot on a Wednesday night. Of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, life of the Apollo kebabs for me, probably. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and how does something like that affect your your well being? You know, when you do go out on stage and there's not that response from the audience or if you do a gig and there's not the payment that you were hopeful of course yeah you know. i think you feel like you haven't done the job and uh, i think that you know because uh, comedy is such a you put all of yourself into it and sometimes you talk about some really serious subjects and stuff and i think if you don't get that sort of positive or you know useful feedback that you maybe think you deserve or you, you maybe worked towards then it can feel like a bit of a defeat and especially uh, if you tried your best and nothing happened. Now, I've felt like rock bottom, like when I think I had, a, I had an awful gig two years ago and it was my fault. We tried to be put a nice gig on for him and they weren't being very, uh, very like helpful. They were just like talking back at us, screaming at us and that kind of stuff. And then I may have said something and uh, it was it was wrong for me to say. And uh, and it turned the whole audience against me, and it was really really awkward. And at the time, I was uh, I was suffering a lot from uh, from depression, and it it broke me. Like and and uh, ever since then, I've uh, I've changed my little routine, because I used to get drunk and stuff and do gigs and stuff. Whereas now I don't touch it. I'll probably have one after as a reward, but it really sort of changed my point of view on it. Yeah, I, I just clammed up. I mean, I couldn't do anything. I I knew I was wrong. And then ever since then, I've, I've sort of been really careful about how I, you know, how I can, you know, conduct myself on stage. And yeah, yeah, it was it was really tough. I mean, the approach that you take now when you're going into a gig, you feeling like you're more kind of prepared in advance, you're more Possibly. aware of the audience. Oh, definitely. Depending when I'm on, I'll always go in and have a look at the room, have a look at like what kind of crowd they are and stuff. And then, I've usually got the joke in the first two minutes, that sort of tells me what kind of crowd they are. I mean, I won't tell the joke on, on here because it's it's rude, but um, it, there's the joke and it's, it's sort of a strong subject. And uh, there's like a, a topper after, which sort of like refocuses the room saying, oh, no, he's not just a sick joke teller. I mean, it's about sheep. You know, obviously I'm Welsh, I'm gonna say a joke about sheep. But, um, but the, the topper, the bit that comes after the original punchline, sort of refocuses people so they think oh this guy isn't that bad but if I know that they laugh at the first punchline then I think brilliant and if they work out they laugh at the second punchline I know they're all with me whereas I could lose people at the first punchline but at the, at the top then I can get them back so I then I know how to work the uh, room a little bit better then not kind of people that are in there you know and you can moderate it yeah. accordingly yeah. really I've had to many times <laughs> <laughs> Um, in terms of the the comedy labour market in Wales, yeah. do you feel like it's it's overcrowded? Is there a lot of comedians active, or is there kind of room for everybody? I think at the moment that there's probably more comedians now than there have ever been before. Uh, there are, I think that there are ones at different levels. I think uh, there aren't too many. I don't believe because there are the, like I live in Cardiff and there are so many comedy nights. There are loads, and I I run like two or three myself, and sometimes I'm short for for people. You know, people will pull out last minute and stuff. But then, it's about finding, you know, the the good quality acts. I think that's what it is. You know, um, like th there are, I would say, possibly an extra fifty to sixty extra standing standard comedians on the South Wales circuit every year. And that's because there is a course called Ultra Comedy, 
and uh, the, the, uh, these people they sign up for, to uh, it's a charity gig so they raise money for cancer research which is amazing and they all do this like six week course and then they do their, their um, showcase gig at the Glee Club in Cardiff and they, I've been to it it is crazy it's brilliant <laughs> and it's like 400 people in there and there's like 30 acts on and, uh, and I would say about probably about half of them come out and they, they try, you know, they go on to the local scene then. You know, so you'll find them on the open mic circuit and stuff. And if they do better, they'll get the, those little paid gigs and stuff. I've had a few on some of my gigs and they've done really well. And, uh, you know, it, it's nice to see. I think there aren't too many because I think that if you've got uh, an original act, then I think that you'll be fine. And I think that if you're doing as well as you can, then I would say you have nothing to worry about competition-wise. Everyone's got something different to offer. And uh, because there's not a formal way into the industry, no. it sounds like courses like that are a fantastic way to, yeah. to bring new talent in yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, originally I did a course uh, back in 2015. So I did a course in the, the comedy school in Camden in London. I used to get the mega bus up every Sunday morning at eight o'clock in the morning. I get the mega bus back at eight p.m. every every Sunday for six weeks, and uh, that that I wouldn't be doing it now if it wasn't for that course because I needed the you know the proverbial kick in the behind to go and do it, and I was trained by uh, angry Jamaican comedians, and you like it 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 did me, I mean I have to say it did me like the best like I loved it. You go there every week. And then you get chewed out after doing five minutes, and you you'd spend five minutes thinking, "Why am I doing this?" And then uh, you spend the other like three hours going, "Yeah, I know exactly what they were saying. Oh, I'm going to change this, change this, and then it'll be funnier." Then, well, actually, this is good. I'm enjoying it. And then you know, I did my uh, a showcase gig at the place called the Backyard Comedy Club in Bethnal Green in London. My friends of mine drove up from Cardiff to come and see me. They gave me a left back, and and it was an amazing experience. And uh, I, I really haven't looked back since. And when you came back to Cardiff yeah. from from that first gig, did you have a kind of network of comedians? Did you have relationships with promoters and bookers? No, nothing, nothing. Um, I'd met one or two. Uh, there was this one guy who I, I knew from working in restaurants and stuff uh, that I knew he started doing comedy, a guy called Tom Evans. And uh, I sort of got in touch with him and then he, I sort of met him at a gig. Uh, I remember going to Cardiff comedy festival uh, may it rest in peace uh, in July 2015 and just to go and see you know how the how the local nights were and stuff and I got to meet a few comedians uh, one of the comedians I met is uh, pretty much my my right hand man now uh, Mr Drew Taylor who I have done the uh, Tales from Wales tour with and we do we tour our, our shows now and you know you meet people who are starting out and you form friendships and bonds and and you, and you take it forward and like I mean I met some really nice people I also met some very not nice people as well but I think you choose wisely who you're going to spend your time with and those that you do spend your time with are they like a little bit of a self-help group you know are you guys able to share the kind of experiences that you've had in the comedy circuit oh definitely definitely we usually have like stories like which is worse you know, uh, one of the funniest stories I think I ever heard. Um, there used to be a a student gig up in uh, a student bar called Face Eleven on Cates Terrace in in Cardiff, and uh, friends of mine were running it, and it, w- it was never well attended. But this one night, uh, they had two old men in, and uh, one of them was asleep. They were sitting right next to each other. One was asleep, and the other one was heckling. <laughs> So as audiences go, you cannot get worse than that. And I was gutted I wasn't there to witness it. So when you step out on stage, you think, at least no one is asleep. Yeah, yeah. no one's asleep and no one's thrown anything at me yet. 
Yeah. Could be worse. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, any advice for those trying to get onto the comedy circuit? Anything that you've learned that you'd want to pass on? I mean, the best way is go out, watch the nights, introduce yourself to promoters, introduce yourself to comedians, watch as much uh, stand-up comedy as you can. M- most important thing, write your own material. I feel like we should end on a bit of a high because yeah. we've been talking a lot about the emotional pressures of working as a comedian. What is the best bit about being a comedian? The best bit about being a comedian is getting the laughs and enjoying it out there. I would say there is there's nothing like it. I mean, I, I haven't done a skydive, but I would imagine it would it'd be a great gig is like a 20-minute skydive. And and knowing that the shoot's going to definitely open and it's going to be the <laughs> best thing ever. You know, I, I love having the great gigs. I did a gig with Ellis Jabin just uh, two years ago now, and it was in front of 700 people in a theatre in Carmarthen, and I've never felt anything like it. So I had to stop and like, stop before saying my other joke because the laughs were still coming from the back of the theatre. And there's nothing better than that feeling. Makes you feel alive. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, Stefan, for your time and for sharing your story with us today. Thanks very much for having me. And a big thank you also goes to our researcher, Dr. Demi Stoyanova-Russell, for her academic insights into the comedy sector. You can read more about Demi's research in our show notes. As always, thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed, please rate and review. It'll help other creatives to find us. We always want to know what you think, so tag Creative Cardiff in any of your comments on social media. Get a Proper Job is made by Creative Cardiff, with and for the creative community. I've got a proper job.